Have you ever wondered how we record the Metal Exchange? For the last three years, we've been using Zencaster for all things podcast related. And without Zencaster, the Metal Exchange wouldn't be brought to you each and every week. Now it's your turn. It's super easy to record a podcast with Zencaster. Log in using your browser and start recording a high quality podcast right away. Record studio quality sound and up to 4K video with your guests. Feel a sense of Zen knowing Zencaster's multi-layered backups ensure you always have your recordings in the highest quality, even if the connection is unstable. If you've thought about podcasting before and realized that you need a lot of different tools and services, those days are over. With Zencaster's all-in-one podcasting platform, you can create your podcast all in one place and distribute to Spotify, Apple, and other major destinations, just like us. Go to Zencaster.com slash pricing and use our code MetalExchange and you'll get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. We want you to have the same easy experiences we do for all our podcasting and content needs. It's time for you to share your story. Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris back again. This week we go back to 2004 and celebrate the 20-year anniversary of Orphanland's third studio album, Mabul. This is one I've been sitting on for quite a while, um, but we'll get to that and all things Orphanland shortly. I want to turn it over to you. I want to see how you're doing, and your place looks empty. Yeah, we're, we're getting there. Uh... I think we'll be um, we'll do one more episode here, and then uh, episode uh, what are we up to now? One ninety six. Is this one ninety six? Yeah, one ninety six. Um, episode one ninety eight will be from a new location. So I hope your internet is good, my friend. I hope your internet is good. Uh, I, I'm I'm told it is. So we, we shall see. It's it's um. My appointment to have it set up is literally the day after we get there, so um, I may not have furniture, but um, I will. I'm hoping I will have a desk and my computer set up at it, and uh, I'll be ready to ready to go. Like you won't even notice the difference. I, so. I like it. I like it. Um, I want to talk. I'm, I'm I'm really excited to talk about this week's episode. But before we get there. What a week for new music, man. I mean, it seemed like every day something new was coming out that, um, quite frankly, in many cases, I wasn't expecting. Before we get to some of the new singles, one album that I heard that just floored me was from a Danish band called Veneer, V-A-N-I-R. And the album is called Epitome. I had never heard of these guys, but apparently this is like their sixth or seventh full-length album. And I'd seen them classified as like Viking metal, but this kind of was in the more of the melodic death metal realm. And I gave it a listen and I was I was floored by how much I enjoyed this particular album uh, immediately. And then I gave it a second listen and I think I liked it even more. So I'm going to make a point to post an, a song from this band. I think people need to hear this stuff if, if they're not familiar with the band. And I might have to dip back into the back catalog, although I don't really gravitate gravitate towards the Viking stuff. Uh, good melodic death metal will always catch my ear, and this is certainly no exception. So I'll post some of that. But uh, in terms of bands that I think people may be more familiar with, my gosh, um, 
How about Freedom Call dropping a new single, seemingly unexpected? Uh, this, this, I, I know you had a chance to listen to this, and my immediate thoughts when I when I when I heard this single called Silver Romance was they haven't missed a beat. They just pick up where they left off and write great songs, and they're catchy. And if you like power metal, uh, the new Freedom Call is definitely going to be something you're going to check out later this year. What did you think of Silver Romance? Uh, it's exactly what I was expecting and hoping that it would sound like. I mean, just uh, it, it's there's some Freedom Call songs that I swear to God sound just like they were, came from that very first yep. album that they did, and, and this, this is one, one of those them. songs. It came, so this this is from the upcoming album by the same name, due out on May 10th. Just really, really catchy power metal, and sometimes they go into a little bit of a different direction, but this, I think, was really in line with their classic sound. So if you're a fan of early Freedom Call, this this very well could be an album that you're, you're going to want to listen to for sure. I uh, couldn't agree more. I, I'm excited. Um, it's, it's interesting because I'm like, some of these bands I didn't even realize were like planning on releasing an album this year. So like when stuff like this kind of drops, um, I, I, it's exciting. I, I, I was literally out to uh, dinner um, just a little while ago. And I just happened to look down at my phone and I, on Facebook, I noticed that Annette Olsen has a new single that, uh, called Heed the Call. And she's got another solo album coming out called Rapture. I haven't even had a chance to listen to the song yet, but the whole reason I bring it up is it's just, it just feels like things are just dropping left and right. Every time I look at my phone, there's just something new to, to grab so i'll I'll, uh, I'll check that song out and i will report back by our next episode i i look forward to that uh, another one vanden plus all of a sudden out of nowhere new single uh it's called my icarian plight uh flight rather and it looks like that is going to be an album that's coming out later this year on frontiers uh the album is going to be called the empyrean equation of the long lost things easy for them to say and even more difficult for me to spell but nonetheless this album is coming out later this year it sounded like Vandenplas, and if you like that sound you're gonna like this i thought the songwriting was really good it reminded me of kind of some of the stuff that they were doing you know 10 15 years ago as opposed to potentially their last album which is not a bad thing i i think it was a really good song and then much to my surprise, Judas Priest came out with a new song called The Serpent and the King. Uh, it's coming um, from their new album called The Invincible Shield. I don't know how Rob Halford can do this at 72 years old, but my God, his pipes still sound as good as ever. God bless that man. What a what an absolute living legend. And I don't mean Larry uh, Zabisco. I'm talking about <laughs> Rob Halford. Yeah, Dream Theater could use a new singer. Just saying, maybe, maybe there's a there's a, a fit there. And then um, also wanted to mention a new may, may James Labrie never listened to our podcast. <laughs> Listen, I, I, I'm still a fan. I have to say. Uh, and then lastly, Terramays with a new single called "Perfect World." Uh, the hardest working band in the business is back at it with a with a song that in many ways I thought it was a little poppier than some of their other stuff. It seemed like they were going kind of going for the radio hit with this one, but it worked for me. I, I enjoyed it. I have no, uh, no issues with the new song. Did you have a chance to listen to this one? 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, I, d- I bought it and I just didn't get a chance to listen to it. So I will take your word for it, but uh, it will be on my next uh, playlist whenever that <laughs> whenever that one gets done. But literally every song, um, other than the first one you mentioned, every band and every song will be on this next playlist. Tara Mays, Van Den Plas, Freedom Call, and Annette Olsen's uh, new solo album, which uh, looks to be, uh, at least this one song was co-written by Magnus Carlsen, so I don't know if he's doing the songwriting on this, because I'm pretty sure he helped out on the previous album she did, and there's no... Uh, no denying that it was arguably her best solo album. Um, it's it just that man, everything he's got the Midas touch when it comes to uh, melodic, melodic metal and rock. So um, I'm listening to the song right now, actually, and it's quite good. So uh, that's another one to, to look forward to. Um, lots of, lots of good stuff. This is uh, shaping up to be a, a solid year and I, I am already well behind. Uh, <laughs> it didn't take long at all. I uh, know it's, it's just a very been a very chaotic uh, month or so. So um, I'm hoping that by the end of the first quarter, which would be uh, about four five weeks from now, I will be hopefully caught up by then. I uh, have no doubt that once you are settled in your new place, you'll look forward to actually kind of sitting down, listening to some new music. It'll actually be rather refreshing, I think, in a number of ways. I could not agree more. I will uh, definitely be spending the uh, the twelve hour plus drive uh, catching up on some albums as well. Does Kelly realize this? Uh, Kelly is taking her own car. Ah, oh, so. that, that now it all makes a lot more sense. Uh, yeah, yeah. So anyway, lots of lots of good stuff on the horizon, and that brings us to the task at hand. We go back, as I said, twenty years to celebrate the anniversary of Mabul. I think the album that put them on the map in many ways, I will tell the story about how I heard the album and and kind of got into this band. But before I do, I I just want to say I'm a little surprised that we hadn't received a request for this album. This I thought would be an album that people would have wanted to hear because it was kind of revolutionary in a way. This is before Mirath was really, you know, taking stride and Opeth was as hot as ever. And and I certainly hear the connections between those two bands, but we hadn't. And ultimately when I decided I wanted to do this about a year and a half ago, I I remembered that it came out in 2004. So I've been sitting on it thinking this would be a nice anniversary episode if the request didn't come through. So uh, just a quick reminder to our Patreon fans, 
obviously keep the requests coming. Uh, we may be doubling up soon because we actually have quite a few in the queue, but that's all right. We, we look forward to doing them and, and thank you for your support. But uh, as I said, this one was not by request. This one was just by anniversary more than anything else. And uh, an album that was six years in the making by all accounts, this is an Israeli progressive metal band, but they had been working on this album, I believe since 1996 or 1997 recorded it in 2003 and then ultimately released it February of 2004. What was your first exposure to the band? Had you heard them prior to their prog power appearance or their first time that they were there? Or was this like, you know, uncharted waters for you? I think the first time I heard of them was when they were announced to play at prog power. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but this album was what spurred that invitation. Um, I don't that- know. It could have been. Um, very well could have been because the first time that they played anyway, because this was right. – uh, they they take a little bit of time in between albums, and that's not to discredit them. It's just I think that the fans probably are today yearning for some new material. It's been a little bit of a time, you know, a little bit of time. But uh, yeah, this one, like I said, this one, it took a while to to kind of come out, and and since then they've only really done three more albums over the last twenty years, with quite a break of usually six years or five years in between them. Uh, but the band has seemed to grow in popularity with each performance. They've done some U.S. tours. They've played 70,000 tons. They were invited back to Prague Power. So at least in the North American market, they seem to have gotten quite the foothold. And I can see why, because they have a unique sound that doesn't really sound much like anybody else that I've ever heard. And I think over time, I've seen more and more bands incorporate Middle Eastern influences in the music. Mirath, who I mentioned earlier, being one of them. Uh, some other bands like Subterranean Masquerade, also from Israel, who who plays a little bit of music in the same style. But this is very unique in the sense that they kind of blend the death metal vocals with the cleans and the and the and the Middle Eastern instruments. And in this case, uh, a lot of biblical. Uh, stories, if you will, combined with some imagination there as well. Really, really interesting album. And I, I'm just kind of curious, when, when was the first time that you heard it like straight through? Has Was it around that Prague Power show that you saw them at or was it some other time? Well, I didn't see them the first time this, they played at Prague no, Power. No, the second time though. Yes. Uh, that. So I remember you telling me about this album when it first came out. And I think that I kind of, I gave it a listen and I was just like, oh, this is like a little bit much for me at the time. Like I just wasn't really warmed up to the, to the, you know, death vocals. And it was, it was a little bit ahead of, uh, ahead of my time, not ahead of its time, but uh, ahead of my time. And um, it was, yeah, it was like when they played at Prague Power 10, which um, was in, 2009 uh i had started listening to them a bit more but it was actually their performance at that festival where i was like really impressed um and i think i've seen them uh one other time since then and and they're just one of those bands where live they just really bring it like it's just a really tight really professional sounding you know, just experience. And I was really impressed. And that really made me a fan of them was really that performance. Um, and then I went back and um, I believe I watched one of their 
older live DVDs with Caleb one night uh, in my old apartment, I remember, over some drinks and went back and listened to Mabul. And and, um, and then like all the albums that followed, I, I got right when they came out and really in, enjoyed them. But um, I think this was really like the first time that I really went back and listened to Mabul like over again and just really just got the whole thing into my system as a full album rather than like random songs that they played live was typically like, you know, ocean land and Nora El Nora and birth of the three. Um, and halo dies is probably the four songs that I remembered the most. Um, and even though the album was very familiar sounding um, this time, I feel like it really just, like I really just got it into my, into my veins, so to speak. And nice. so, uh, yeah, but I mean, I, I recognize that this has always been just a really, um, highly regarded album. I remember finding out about this band and, and you're right. I did encourage you to listen, but I also think you're right in that. I don't think you were ready for it in 2004. And if you were not used to, or at least, open to the style at that point, I could hear why this would be very jarring. Um, just to tell my story briefly, I was a big, obviously, Dream Theater fan. I remember frequenting Mike Portnoy's message board, and people were just raving about Orphanland and Mabul, and I had no idea what they were talking about. But I was heavily into my Opeth phase at that point, and a lot of people were saying, if you like Opeth, you have to hear Mabul. And I kind have of you, had you heard. Have you heard of Morphinland at that point? Or? I'd never heard of them, let alone a note of their music. And so okay. I was in the Bay Terrace shopping center in 2004, and I had a doctor's appointment. But there was a wait at the doctor's office, and it was so crowded that I had to leave the office and wait outside. They said, "We'll call you to come back to the office." I said, "Okay." And so I remember, believe it or not, I was with my mom and I went into the the um, the record store or the CD store that was in that shopping center and I just looked around and I was looking through the stacks and all of a sudden, lo and behold, the two CD version of Orphan Lands Mabul is sitting there. It was crazy expensive, but I said to myself, I, you know, it, it was – not, I guess, terribly surprising in that it was a Century Media release, so they had wider distribution in the States. But I found this disc, and everyone's raving about it. And I put it, and I said, you know what? The hell with it. I'm going to buy this album. And I bought the album, and I had my CD player on in my car. So I went to the doctor. I put this thing on the way home, and I quickly turned it off because I realized my mom was not having any of this for obvious reasons. <laughs> uh, maybe just not her taste. I think she's more into the more aggressive stuff. So I had to turn this off. But I remember listening to it and I was immediately like, whoa, this is just so different than stuff that I was used to. But it struck a chord with me because I I loved the different influences. I loved the string instrumentation. I loved just everything about this really just hit home for me. And then as much as I enjoyed their follow-up releases in, re in, in years after, I always went back to this. And I, and I said to myself um, – this is just above and beyond anything I had heard from them. And I was curious to go back to it because I haven't listened to Mabul in ages. So it was nice to go back. But I saw why I loved it so much, you know, 20 years ago. This is a solid album. And maybe I'm a sucker for concept albums. But uh, this one, this one hits the mark for me. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, I was not really aware of the concept until I think earlier today, actually, I read the synopsis and I I thought that was, it actually added to the proceedings for me. Because I'm the same as you, like when there's, a story to be told and, and it's told well. Um, I think that it makes the album, um, you know, it pop more. And, and you know what this album made me think of not so much musically, but just conceptually, it reminded me a lot of um, no spoons opus album, just because of the amount of time they spent getting it released. I had no idea that this album like took so long to, uh, be arranged says uh, it took six years to be arranged, composed, and produced. And so, even though it's not their debut album, I, I think it's the first album I have. But I, I don't think I've ever actually heard anything from this band prior to this. Um, and this is definitely—I don't know that anybody would disagree that this is their breakout uh, album. Um, so, in a lot of ways, it kind of reminded me of it. Just this this very epic story um, that took many years to to come to fruition. So in that way, it reminded me of the no, the no spoon album we, we spoke of a couple of months ago. Um, different uh, from a, a sound sound perspective though. Um, the, I, I didn't get a lot of middle Eastern influences in the no spoon album or not nearly as many as on uh, this one. Yeah, I, I can totally, I can totally see that uh, just to kind of go through the band members for a second. It's Kobe Farhi on vocals. He does the backing vocals. He does the growls. He does all the chants. And there are certainly a lot of those. And then he does the spoken word passages as well. He's kind of the narrator for this. Uh, Yoshi Sassi on lead guitar, acoustic guitar, and, and a bunch of other instruments as well. He, he's, uh, quite the guitar player and, and he's got some good solo albums. If you've never heard that stuff, um, on rhythm guitars, it's Matty Svaziki. I think I probably butchered his name, but that's who's on, uh, rhythm guitar. Uri Zekla on bass. He also does some fretless bass on this, which is, I didn't quite recognize. Um, but I guess I'll go back and listen to that with fresh ears, you know, next time I listen to this album. And then Eden Rabin on keyboards, which also play quite the prominent role with the synthesizer sounds and whatnot. So this is the, uh, this is the Orphan Land lineup on this disc. Are you going to name all the members of the Oriental Choir and the Morin Ensemble, or are you good to go on that? Hell no. I will be here all night. <laughs> but what I will say is I have it on good authority that they are actually celebrating the 20th anniversary of this album and doing live performances, I believe, with an orchestra in Israel um, later this month, which has to be really cool. In fact, it might even be this weekend. Um, that is something I would absolutely love to see. I think that that would be a I once hope, in I a hope there's a I hope there's a Blu-ray Blue recording of that because I would definitely buy that. I, I'm with you there. So um, that's Mabul, and I'll kind of just walk you through the story briefly, and then we can go into the, the tracks themselves. And I'm going to try to do this justice. It's a little bit complicated, but here we go. Uh, basically, it's the story of the three sons or three angels of the seventh 
uh, the three sons of the seventh, which is basically just the angels and the, the number seven refers to God. So it's three angels and it's divided into the three major, uh, you know, world religions, Judaism, Islam, and Christianity. And each angel is given their own power and representation. Judaism is represented by the star of David. And of course, his power is magic. The second angel for Islam is represented by the half moon and his power is that of strength. And lastly, uh, for Christianity, represented by a cross and the power of wisdom. And so these angels reunite because at the end of the day, God had a kind of a fear uh, that, you know, because of the strength of the angels, um, well, basically, I'll just read it. It says, God had forbidden the angels from reuniting because of the fear of their strength. So in, as they ignored that divine order, the angels united into one and then actually got in, exiled from heaven to earth and then were divided once again. And they basically kept fighting with each other, proving who could go back to heaven. But because they were unable to stop humanity from sinning, sound familiar, um, they were warned of the f imminent flood that was coming. And unfortunately, they still do not stop the sins of man. And the great flood comes shortly thereafter. And then I think there's obviously ties to Noah and his ark and that whole biblical story from, from the early books of the Bible. Um, you can certainly speak as to that with your shamanad education, but I'll, I'll, I'll refrain for the moment and just simply say the flood comes and basically washes everything out. And it's basically how these fallen angels from heaven come down to earth and just cannot get their act together. And, and that's really, you know, in, in simplistic terms, what this story is about. But I think it does make for an interesting, listen or re-listen in many ways to the album with that in mind because there are some really dark passages on this album but i think they make for a really like chilling uh listen when you when you think about it in the terms of you know like the biblical passages and whatnot well first of all spoiler alert um <laughs> I feel like I feel like the I feel like being having Titanic spoiled for me before seeing the movie. Um, <laughs> Guess what? The ship goes down. I'm just letting you know. I, I have to say, like, I'm glad you mentioned my uh, Catholic high school education because th this this stuff I, I eat this stuff up because they they took what is a very like basic you know Bible story and like really put more i think layers and details and thought into it um and and just it's it's a lot more um thoughtful than just your typical bible passage that you know the the, the angry vengeful god flooded out the the sinful humanity um which uh, he's due for another appearance i feel like <laughs> lately no uh, we won't go into that but uh i i, I just i just I, I already liked the album but like tying all this into it made me just appreciate it so much more. And the way that the, each song represents a, a part of the story. I, I just really just ended up enjoying this in a way that I don't think I have had enjoyed it in the, in the past. So um, really cool. Um, in case you hadn't mentioned it, um, Mabul is actually Hebrew for the word flood. Um, so that uh, kind of tells the story right there but um i mean i really love the um first of all like the the introduction to of judaism and islam to a story that's you know usually uh, i think people usually connect it with christianity um 
but I guess, you know, if it's in the Old Testament, then it's going to be in the Torah. So I guess it's part of Judaism as well. Uh, I'm a little less uh, read up on my, my Quran uh, readings, but um, I presume that a, a story of similar ilk is in there as well. So I like that they brought all three of these, you know, together, which is not unusual uh, to my understanding of what Orphan Land does is that they're, you know, I think of that song, All is One, which is is very much like saying like, hey, you know, we're all, to, you know, we're all humanity. We're all, you know, one race. Um, and, and I like that about them, that it's about, um, you know, inclusivity and that kind of thing. So it's cool that they did that with the story, um, having like an angel from each of those, you know, main uh, religion. So, um, just, just cool stuff. And the way that the, the kind of that, that middle Eastern or Oriental, uh, like, you know, folk sound that, that permeates the whole album just gives it such a, um, such a unique sound that like, like you said, there really, to my knowledge, really wasn't much that sounded like this at the time. And there's not a ton now, honestly, like you said. Um, so yeah, I just, uh, that's kind of my um, macro thoughts on the album. Nice. And it, it's, it's a dense album. It clocks in at nearly 70 minutes, but at the same time, doesn't really feel that way. Um, it kicks off with the birth of the three, the unification. And from the opening riff, you kind of get a sense that this is a heavy album. It's a dark album. And those growls that fit just perfectly over the verses are just something to, to behold. I love the instruments that are used throughout this. And it has that feel of, again, Middle Eastern, maybe a little bit of an Oriental feel. But I like the contrast between those heavy verses and the melodic chorus with the clean vocals. Um, what stood out to me, probably something I never really noticed, are just how awesome the drum fills are on this particular track. And they kind of set the tone for the entire thing. It has an upbeat bridge in many ways and this really soulful guitar solo it's it's a dense intro track but i i remember like you said i i'd never heard anything like this and even to this day it's just a beautiful opening song and it would get a lot darker later on but at least at the beginning you know life life is life is good uh i am making this my song of the week i'm i'm, I'm doing it early um and it's really for no other reason because I'll say this was another one of those weeks where it was a very difficult choice because there's a lot of really, really good songs on on this album for sure. But the back end of this song where the tempo picks up and that that just guitar riff that's like can't just can't get it out of my head. It's just so catchy. It's just <laughs> it such is. a good hook. I, I, I love this song. Um, it's the one that like, every time I went back and listened to the album, I was like, yeah, hell yeah. Like as much as I, there's just, there's so much good stuff going on here. I feel like a, it's kind of co a cop out to go with the first track, but um, uh, that's what I'm doing. So hopefully you'll pick something a bit later on. So um, yeah, here is uh birth of the three, the unification. Um, and uh, I'm tapping out a, a song of the week, the game early this week. So here, here it is.
great choice. Uh, you could have gone with just about anything on this album, but this is a really, really good song and, and, and in many ways a table setter. And the next track, Orphan Land. Oh, oh before we oh, move on. There's I just, more. I, one other, yeah, one other thing I just wanted to yeah. mention before we move on is um, towards the end of the song, you get that, um, that choir kicks in. And that is such a great part of this album. I love that that choir sound. And um, Shlomit Levi is a um, is a woman from um, she's Israeli, but she's uh, from New Jersey. She was born in Israel, but uh, grew up in New Jersey, and she does a lot of uh, vocals on Orphan Land's albums. And um, I, I think she adds such a, a, a great. Um, just another like factor into the, the vocal portion of the song and uh, her along with this whole choir. Um, I, I just think it, it just ends the song in such a epic way. Just a awesome song. I just wanted to mention that, uh, that part of, of it as well. I am so glad that you mentioned her because she has a very prominent place on this entire album and their whole discography. Really? She appears on all of their albums kind of the honorary fifth man if you will like you know if if you had to or fifth person if you will she adds such a nice layer to what they do i'm 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 truly glad that you mentioned it and i would be remiss not to mention her so that's that's great and um you know we get to the second track which was the first real single off the album oceanland the revelation this is arguably one of the most palatable songs on the album. So if you've never heard the band and you don't know what we're talking about and you don't listen to our songs of the week, start with this one. Uh, the intro reminds me of almost like an open air marketplace that you kind of walk through. And then that riff just makes you want to jump up and down. It's a great, great riff. Very, very catchy. I love the growls. I love the keyboards with the strings underneath and I think this has one of the most infectious choruses on the entire album. I love it. And and what I also would say is that there's this layering of the vocals and spots between the cleans and the growls that actually play really nicely together, but you'd never think so because they're so diametrically opposed. But for some reason, it works here. I have to think you are a fan of this one as well. Yeah, uh, not only that, but I want to say it's the first orphan land song i remember hearing um i want to say this was back when um the prog power website would post like one song per band that were play was playing at prog power that year and uh, as best as i could recall either it was either this or nora el nora which i also believe were the two uh, music videos that the band made from this album but uh I just remember this one. This was probably the song I was most familiar with on the album. But yeah, this I, I agree with everything you said. It's uh, one of the shorter songs on the album. And I think that's just like if you're into um, just really good, like folky prog metal, like this song just I think hits all the all the buttons you would want. Um, great song. Uh, I we, we just I have a feeling it's just going to be like a lot of uh, a lot of praise <laughs> for each song as we move move along. But this is uh, definitely a good one and worthy of of praise. I have a feeling you're right. The Kiss of Babylon, The Sins, Track Three is no different in terms of appeal, but in terms of style, it's quite different. This one's a lot slower, and I kind of get this proggy doom vibe on this one. Uh, and with headphones, what's really cool is if you listen to it with the right 
headphones, it almost sounds like it's in surround sound with the vocals coming in all over the place, which I thought was a really cool effect and probably a pain in the ass to mix like that. But I, I really enjoy it. I think that the choirs here and, and you know, the, 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 the mix with the female vocals really gives it a nice effect on this track in particular. Uh, the acoustic guitar work is nothing short of brilliant. And this is a song that I don't know that I loved it as much back in the day, but this one has really grown on me. It's, it's not my song of the week, but there's a lot to kind of sink your teeth into, including like the folky vocals and, and the, the way that it kind of ends. Um, I just think it's a really cool way to go out and you, you almost sway to the beat, which is kind of a, a cool little feature of this one. It's different though. It doesn't sound anything like those first two songs in my opinion. No. Um, I love, first of all, that opening riff is, is again, they really pull you in. Um, the guitar work on this album is fabulous. I, I just was really impressed with, um, I mean, really all of the instrumentation, but the guitars in, just, focusing on that um there's so many riffs and and just um hooks throughout the album that uh, that really just pull you in especially if you're not the biggest fan of of, of, of like a heavier or deathier kind of sound which this definitely is like this would like i said earlier like this would have been like of, this was a stretch for me in my earlier, you know, listening days. And, and it, it's taken years of, of kind of, uh, you know, getting the ear used to hearing some of the harsher vocals and stuff like that. This is a good, I feel like Epica, this is a good starting band because you're, you have tons of cleans as well that kind of keep it from just being a scream fest for, you know, 70 minutes. Um, but again, like this is another song where they use, um, that, that choir again, um, the, like you said, like the, uh, really great um, acoustic guitar made me think of our mutual friend, Brian. I feel like he would enjoy this if he hadn't, hasn't heard it before. Um, but yeah, cool song. Um, good stuff. And yeah, I agree. Like I like that. They kind of slow the pace a little bit on this one, which is good because the first two songs really like are, are like the faster, that level of fast pace that you're going to get on an album like this. And so this kind of like, you know, pulls it back a little bit and cause you're, you're going to go on a, a journey here. Cause like you said, this is a pretty meaty album. Yeah. And it, and it goes seamlessly into the next kind of interlude track called the sulk, which is really just picks up where, uh, where the kiss of Babylon leaves off again, great acoustic guitars, love the drum beats, and it just kind of leads to this setup to Halo Dies, The Wrath of God. Uh, any any comments on Assault? I mean, it's really just a two-minute kind of interlude track that, that serves as a precursor to, to heavier things ahead. Yeah, um, you know, the, the, the vocals from uh, Shlomit Levi, um, I thought, for a second, I thought I was listening to... Um, Marcella Bovio from Scream huh. of Passion. The, the vocals are similar. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the song kind of starts out with like, um, I don't know if, if you call it like a chant, uh, like, like a chant vocal um, with, with her. And then um, goes into like some good um, kind of Middle Eastern drumming. Um, just uh, it kind of reminded me of um, the beginning of Home by Dream Theater. Yes. But done you know, by 
actual Middle Easterners. <laughs> I actually hear that at a spot later in the album. I'll, I'll try to remember to mention that, but I, I certainly appreciate what you're saying. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just a, a, a cool, uh, to me, like this is just, um, the intro to Halo dies. Um, uh, so I, I kind of lumped the two tracks, uh, together, but yeah, this is, is cool. Cause it kind of gives it, um, a little bit of kind of an epic feeling intro before this like really um, monster heavy song uh, follows. What are your thoughts on Halo Dies, which is again, like you mentioned the intro track and now you get this uh, proper track. This is to me where the album really takes a turn, but I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this one. Yeah, this is definitely something that probably would have scared me when I was <laughs> younger, like 20 years ago. I'd be like, okay, I'm out. You, <laughs> you're, you're, you're scaring me. Um, but, you know, now uh, I, I like this song a lot. I, I can't listen to it without thinking of, of Pat saying Halo dies re- uh, just repeatedly with like ad nauseum. Just, There's no off know, switch. Like a hundred times a day, just, you know, until until I got on a plane and went my separate ways. Um, <laughs> That being said, uh, there's obviously a, a good reason why he enjoys this song as much as he does because it's it's really good. Um, definitely the heaviest uh, song up until this point. Um, that 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 part where like it just sounds like the like they're like it's staticking out is such a cool um, just a cool effect that they use. Um, it reminds me of uh, this song reminds me a bit of what um, Mayan would do years later um not quite in the the exact same light like not israeli but middle eastern and kind of having you know almost like a middle eastern epica um and so i kind of thought about them which is i feel like a band we should do an episode on at some point i feel like i always forget that they even exist sometimes until they decide to make an, an album 13 years after the previous one, um, which I guess orphan land is, is not really, <laughs> maybe they are um, the same band. Of, of that. Yeah. Maybe orphan land is not really innocent of that either, but um, yeah, that's what I thought of. But yeah, this is a really killer tune. And um, uh, just, you know, we, we just keep carrying on with these great songs, but uh, yeah, this is a good one. I like this one a lot. In one word, if I had to summarize this song, I would just say intense it's my song of the week. I absolutely wasn't sure going into the week what I would choose. But as I left this week, I said to myself, this week, for this week only, Halo Dies was definitely the song of the week. I want to share my thoughts, but let's first give it a listen.
what I love about this particular track is the like the juxtaposition between the heavy, heavy stuff and the more melodic stuff and how it seamlessly kind of goes back and forth. This is a live favorite and one of those songs that when you see them live, you just get so kind of caught up in the moment. Um, when the growls finally kick in on this thing, the song just takes off. It's really dark, has one of the catchier choruses on the album, if not the catchiest. And then all of a sudden, the skies kind of open up and this thing goes off the rails in the best way possible. And you mentioned um, the vocals kind of fading in and coming back out. I love it. I echo your sentiments completely. It just really is such a cool effect. And it's almost like Kobe's rapping in a way, the way that he presents his vocal styles on this. It's a, then it just all of a sudden it slows down, mellows out, and then it builds to the big finale with these beautiful keys. I am totally a fan of this song. Much like the lyrics say, you reap what you sow. Great stuff. I love, I love, I love this track. Beautifully said. I, I, um, I, I, to completely understand, and it was definitely uh, in contention for Song of the Week for me as well. I'm glad that I chose something different so that we can spread the love a little bit. But um, there's still uh, still a lot to a lot more to come. <laughs> uh, yeah, a uh, call to awake the quest. The next track. This is where I heard home in that instrumental section of this song. I mean, it is. You may as well have just put it on scenes from a memory. It was that. It was that. Um, apparent to me, although I have no doubt that it was unintentional. Uh, but how do you follow up a song where after you've made God very, very angry, you come up with a song like this, which is more melancholy, kind of mid-paced. I don't actually love the verses on this one. It just doesn't have the same hook that some of the other songs do, but the chorus is great. And there's a lot of like ambient Middle Eastern sounds throughout this thing and has some multiple really cool bridges that kind of piece this thing together. It's a very proggy tune, but it's better than I remember. Although it's not my favorite song on the album. I really like the, um, the guitar riff that they use that uh, kicks in about 30 seconds in the song and then repeats a few times. It reminded me of like a video game cover band, like a, like a video game metal band doing, something from a game that was like translated into like real music. Don't ask me why I just get like, I got like descendants of Erdrich uh, vibes from orphan land, which nobody has ever said and will ever repeat again. That's true. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, this was, uh, I agree. Like, I feel like this is kind of a come down after uh, the previous song, but um, again, it's just another one of those songs where the the guitar riff is just so so catchy and and memorable that it kind of um carries the tune in my in my opinion well said um and now it's time to start building the arc. This is one that I've always enjoyed. I love the percussion. I like the subtle piano throughout this whole thing. I think that adds another layer to this, and it's almost an extended intro in many ways to arguably their most famous song, which we'll get to in a minute. But the beautiful vocals on, on building the arc are, they really make you feel almost like there's a line of people entering the ship, right? Almost like they're just lined up, they're ready to go, and they know that something bad is about to happen. Uh, with a great acoustic guitar solo, I also thought Brian would adore this one because of his propensity for that flamenco style. Um, 
I have no doubt you like this song. Yeah, it's um, it, it's it's a beautiful song. Like I, I I love that. I feel like this album needed this, and this is perfectly placed right in the middle of the album. But just something like really mellow and folky, and and this just brings that to the table. Um, it gave me like um, vibes of like playing you know, uh, newer Zelda games where you're in like some sort of desert area and they, they would use more kind of Middle Eastern style, um, instrumentation and stuff. It's really great. Like this is the kind of album where like, you don't want every song to be a complete banger because then it it almost wears out. It's, it's welcome. And, And so like, this is just more of like a palate cleanser, not like a listening to gamma ray after St. Anger palate cleanser, but a palate (laughs) cleanser nevertheless. Um, but, um, it, 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 again, it, even though it's like a five minute song, it does kind of, I think act as like a segue, uh, between the first and second act of the story, if you will, and kind of, uh, sets the table for this next track Nora El Nora, which is another one of the big songs on the album. Yeah, and, and obviously after building the arc, it's time to start entering the arc, which is really what Nora El Nora is. Um, this is the one that makes you want to jump up and down. And the, I would love to kind of have a translation, a full translation of the lyrics, because I don't exactly know what they are. But this is such a good live song, and it's surprisingly heavy in spots. You forget about that because through the chanting and the kind of the the way that the music takes you for a ride, there are spots of this song that are rather heavy. And after the first minute and a half, it kind of picks up quite a bit. If I had to be picky, I would say that it's a little bit repetitive, but it doesn't matter because it's so good and short enough that it just doesn't phase you as a listener. And then there's this beautiful piano section during the instrumental piece, just a great song. And, Again, I think it's probably their most famous song. It was the second single, like you mentioned earlier, and with good reason. Um, as as Kobe will say during the live shows, when we play Nora El Nora, you jump. And that's what you do <laughs> during this song. And I love it when he says it because inevitably everyone jumps. The man, Everyone listens to the guy. So God bless. Well, when Kobe speaks, we listen. Um, <laughs> uh, a little context um, to, to, thanks to a quick Google search. Um, the lyrics for Nora El Nora derive from the Jewish prayer service for the night beginning Yom Kippur, the Jewish Day of Atonement. Jewish prayers follow the paradigm of what might in other contexts be called praise service. On that most holy of nights, the congregations sing praises to God to soften him up before asking him to forgive their sins. Nora is the Hebrew word for terrible or terror inspiring, and El is a form of God's name. Nora El Nora is an appellation that translates to most terrifying God, Mm. appropriate for prayers on the night on which Jews believe God passes judgment on them for their behavior the preceding year. In the context of the Mabul album, the characters sing this praise to God as the flood rains begin and they enter the ark to thank him for sparing them from obliteration. So I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, any thoughts on this question and you will receive an answer. I, I, I love it. Any, any thoughts on this track before we get to, uh, the calm before the flood? It's, it's just another one of these songs where there's just everything they do is so meticulously laid out and, and done so well. And, you know, you have this, this great chant, um, that goes on. There's the, um, those, the backing, um, female chants going on with like the um uh 
just the the guitar the, the guitar solo going on and then it, it then it gets it gets quiet and, and mellow like it's the the piano solo like there's just it's got a little bit of everything it's a great it's just a great tune and uh i i couldn't see why i wouldn't be jumping up and down if i were seeing the song live i i i am so excited to see this band live again whenever the hell that might be i, I i'm kind of bummed that they are not going to be doing this album in the in the u.s sometime this year because i would really love to see that you and me both um i just it's just a beautiful piece of music straight through and you get to a song like the calm before the flood another song that the album kind of needed it's about a four and a half minute instrumental piece very heavy on the acoustic guitar it's a little benign, but at the same time, it fits with the story and the theme, namely the, this calm before God obviously passes judgment and the flood comes. But more than anything, what I want to point out is two things. Number one, this particular instrumental tune has a bit of a leprous vibe, in my opinion, just the way that it's structured. And number two, the ending is absolutely brilliant as you hear the rain starting to fall just slowly, right? It's not like a thunderstorm, but the rain starts to fall at the end of this. And uh, all of a sudden, the flood is coming. I, I just thought that that was brilliantly done. You mentioned um, listening to this album with headphones earlier. Uh, I, I highly recommend that if you've never heard this album or you have heard it before and never listened to it on headphones, do it. Because there's a lot of really great just sound work. Uh, and this song is just one of those things, like you said at the end. Um, when I heard it with the headphones on, it made me think of how peaceful it would be to hear that try, like while trying to fall asleep. Um, just, I know like you can go onto YouTube and they have like 12 hour videos of just like <laughs> thunderstorms or like just Vacuums. ambient sound to help, yeah. help you sleep. I might, might need to do, do that for myself tonight. We'll see how that goes. But, um, again, you know, much like building the arc, it's, it's a, it's a segue, but it's also like a pretty beefy segue at almost four and a half minutes. It's like, there's never any like wasted, uh, time or songs or anything like, you know, we, we we talked about Saint Anger a couple of weeks ago. This this like long drawn out album that didn't need to be this long, and this this is like an album that needed to be this long. Like it it it, it did everything it was supposed to in the allotted time. It never wore out its welcome. It, it never you know. It, it just everything's just so meticulous. Like I used that word meticulous before, and I'll use it again. It's just a meticulously created album and and i guess it should be when it takes six six years to to create Uh, again much like you know no spoon that we talked about you know it's almost like what else are you going to do after six years like this album better be mind-blowing or else what the hell have you been up to (laughs) no no argument from me uh and and with that mabul the flood comes love this string intro the strings at the during the introduction it really sets the mood perfectly. And then the skies continue to open up. The rain gets heavier and so does the song. And for that reason, again, just brilliantly done. The aggressive growls are totally on point and the cleans kind of provide like this dramatic pause in between the, the aggression. It's a really powerful conclusion to, to, to the story in many ways. I mean, I know there's tracks after this, but it's, this is the this is the climax, right? This is the big the big payoff, 
and it's really powerful. I think the riff is great. And the last minute and change, just a phenomenal way to end this song. I got to be honest, I almost named this my song of the week, especially after the last listen, because I was just so taken back by everything. I'm committed, but I was this close to changing it to this track because for this this week, this one just hit me like a ton of bricks. Just the way that it's arranged, the music feels like a flood. Like, how do you make music sound like a flood? They figured out a way to do it, and it's it's just such an epic song. And and you know, I don't know that I could say anything that you haven't already said about it. But um, coupled with the you know the the set the effects, the weather effects to just really drive it home. I mean, this is a really really epic tune on a very epic album. Um, but. Uh, it has a perilous feeling to it. Like you feel that like, you know, like here we go, like about to drown out most of humanity. Uh, Here we go. Like, you know, it's a serious, it's a serious thing and it should, the song is a serious sounding song. So I think it it fits the, uh, the narrative quite well. If you could have tolerated this in 1999, your theology grades would have been so much higher. (laughs) Yeah. Or or if the album was out five years earlier. That that, that too, that too. too. (laughs) Um, track 11, the storm rages inside. It's kind of a seamless continuation of Mabul. It's, it's got a very epic nature to it. And for the first time, I'll say that the bass lines on this really pop. I thought it was dark and gloomy. Um, and it's almost like the guitar solos are broken in a sense. Like it, you can almost, again, they're beautiful, but they're almost like broken. Like the flood broke the guitar solos, which I know is a weird analogy, but listen to the song if you don't believe me. Uh, and there's a lot of them. There's a ton of solos on this thing. It's almost the entire song is almost one large guitar solo, whether it's electric or acoustic. And then you have the spoken word portions, which again, I don't know what they mean, but they certainly advance the story. And it's obviously just the end of this flood. I don't know that I like this song as much as I do now. I actually think this song, album has gotten better in in the last 20 years and that doesn't always happen like stuff will sometimes wear itself out but the the distance or the time away from this thing helped i thought this track was great and then i love how it just ends with the splashing of the water it's like the rain is over but there's fucking water everywhere and it's i just it's brilliantly done i i feel like uh i could be wrong but i feel like they're the guitar uh takes kind of like a reprise from the original track. So it's the first, ah. not the original track, the first track. So it's kind of like it's circling back to the to the beginning. Um, they, we started out dry and we're going to end out dry, but uh, the, the middle is going to get a little wet. Um, this is a mostly instrumental song that goes on for almost nine and a half yeah. minutes. And it's, it's really well done. It's a really interesting way to kind of wrap things up before the final three, three minute song rainbow. Um, it should feel like, like it wore out its welcome, but it doesn't. So, you know, it's, uh, and, and more of the, uh, the choir at the end, which is never a bad thing. And I, I think that that choir really gives the song an even more epic feeling to, to end it. And then, like you said, just um, a, more of that great uh, sound effect, you know, towards the end of the song to kind of wrap things up with the, uh, you know, actually hearing this, the sound of the storm. Um, before we talk about the last track, um, what, what were your thoughts uh, about just the, the overall production uh, value of this album 20 years later? It's 
it's good. I'm not going to say it's the greatest sonically sounding album I've heard, but it's good. And I guess I appreciate the fact that they were trying to cram so many different sounds into it that it could have been a production nightmare so that you heard everything, but it's good. I, I don't, I, I, I don't know that it needs to be remixed or remastered or anything like that, but it's, it's not perfect, but it's good. I'll, I'll give it a, maybe even a very good, but it's not, I wouldn't say it's great. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I you like, maybe you like it more than I, I, I think, I think it sounds very good. Um, I don't, I'm not going to say I was like blown out of the water. I mean, I feel like 20 albums 20 years ago should sound good. Like we're not talking about, you know, 1986 here, like, you know, um, and like, and like you said, um, you know, they had a pretty major label in century media, um, you know, backing them. So like, it's what, it's what's to be expected from an album that came out in 2004 on, on that kind of label, in my opinion. Yeah. No, I, I think that's, I think that's totally fair. Uh, and then it, this, the album wraps up in kind of a bizarre way. It's, it's a song called Rainbow, The Resurrection. And I say bizarre because it's only three minutes and it's. And Dio doesn't sing on that's, it. That's, that's right. And it's also not in the dark. So that should tell you something else as well. <laughs> but it's, it's kind of an uplifting end. The birds are out. The birds are chirping and the world is now about to pick up the pieces after God basically wiped away all of humanity. What else do you need other than that kind of almost ambient sound to it? And there's like an uplifting acoustic guitar piece in this song as well. I don't know that you needed to sing anymore or really just tell the story other than what the instruments are are doing on a track like this. And obviously the sound effects with the birds and everything else, but it's kind of a cool way to end it. If this album was a movie this would be your closing credits um yes. just kind of wrapping things up it it made me think of the end of holy land how holy land is kind of like this big epic story that involves water and uh yeah. and then at the end you just hear like you know acoustic guitar and birds chirping and just like uh waves on the shore and it's just kind of like this peaceful end after a quite a quite a, a quite a treacherous journey yeah, no, no argument from here. It's it's a cool way to end it, and uh, then you're out. And and as I said earlier, almost seventy minutes. But unlike Saint Anger, it does not feel that way. No, no, not at all. It, it, this was um, a real pleasure uh, going back and listening to this, and it never felt. I mean, it was times where I was like, "Wow, I can't believe this album is still going on," but like in a good way. Like, it wasn't a complaint. I was just like, "Wow, I've you know been sitting here for over an hour, and the album is still interesting to me." So, um, this is an album that I really didn't think of a lot in in a macro sense. It was always just like, "Hey, uh, Halo Dies is a great song. Oceanland is a great song. Birth of the Three is a great song." And now I really, like I said before, I, I really feel it as like a full you know, a full album, a full story, a full, just, you know, um, experience. Um, and, and so this was, um, I'm just really glad that we, uh, got a chance to talk about it. And, um, it's, it's very timely, uh, to, as of recording time tomorrow would be the exact date. It was released, uh, 20 years ago. Um, the people on Patreon might be hearing it on the actual anniversary. Everybody else will hear it a couple of days later um but uh yeah this was a this was a pleasure and this is one of those things that makes me so happy 
Um, much like when we spoke about, um, who was the band that we spoke about? Um, Mercenary, uh, where it was this, an album that came out around the same time that I probably would not have listened to. Um, it, it's just such a, like to go back and, and be able to feel like, wow, my maturity level, as far as like what I can listen to and, and appreciate and enjoy has changed so much in 20 years. It's always, these are like the most rewarding episodes for me because it's like, look at you, look at you growing up. Like I, I got to give myself a Barry Horowitz on this one. And, uh, just uh, good stuff. Uh, I, I, I can't believe I made a Barry Horowitz reference on an orphan land episode, but kind of fits, kind of fits, you know, whatever <laughs> I'll, I'll just say, um, but kidding aside, scoring this on a, on a scale of one to 10, what did you think you would score it going into it? And what did you wind up scoring it? I mean, it was like a gradual increase throughout the week. Like it, it probably like, I probably thought I was going to give it like a, like a 7.5 or a 7.75. Uh, I, I ended up landing on um, 8.875. Wow. Um, I just, uh, I just think it's a fabulous uh, album. It's not, even though it's not like something I would, that I typically am drawn to, it's just done so well, like in all, all of its ways. And it's just, uh, just a really wonderful album. Um, and I've just, I've just always been a, a real fan of this band. Um, ever since I saw them live, it was some bands just, uh, oddly enough, they played right after Circus Maximus, who I also was seeing for the first time. And those were two bands that I said to myself, these ba- these are just like the utmost live professional bands to the point that like when Brainstorm and Pagan's Mind played afterwards, it was like they couldn't follow. Like they couldn't follow those two like opening bands that just blew everyone out of the water uh, to to start. So ever since that day, I have been a big fan of both of those bands, and that was uh, again that was you know um, Saturday of. Uh, Prog Power 10, where it was kind of like a Prog Power's greatest hits that day. Um, they were all returning bands, and then Fate's Warning uh, did the headlining set. Um, and that was kind of like my also my return to uh, Prog Power. And um, those, you know, Orphan Land is one of the reasons why I continued to go. I've been to every prog power since that year um and uh, and like those were two bands that weren't at the top of my list that i was looking forward to seeing but now that i look back on it um that was those were the two of the bands i enjoyed watching live uh more than almost any of the other ones that played that year so um yeah, I, I'm I'm rambling, but uh, it's because I it's because I like this band, and um, based on how I felt about them the first time I heard them, it's it's I'm still kind of a little shocked at, at how much I've kind of turned on, uh, like by you know how I feel about it. I'm gonna actually do something I've never done. I was oscillating between an eight and a half and a nine. It's t- way too good of an album to be an eight and a half, so I was gonna think eight point seven five. But I couldn't have you rank this higher than me because you don't like the album more than me as much as I want you to. But the reason I can't give it a nine is because I don't think that the production is perfect. I think that that a, a little a little demerit there. And you know, I guess at the end of the day, it's just when I look at the other albums that are a nine, I think I just get more pleasure from them because of a stylistic thing. So 
or or just because of, of what I gravitate to or whatever, but it's 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 close. And so I'm gonna actually steal your score of an eight point whatever the hell you said, and we're gonna both be right under a nine on this. <laughs> well, it's funny because I think that the fact that it is actually totally different from things that I normally would give that high of a rating to actually pushes the score up. Like it's almost like it earned more points by being different and being outside of the wheelhouse. Um, I, I think I probably rated, um, you know, uh, mercenary similarly when we listened to it, it was just like such a surprise to me how much I liked it, that it got like, um, points for being so good, but from in a totally different wheelhouse than what I'm like really gravitate towards. So, um, so we have, I guess we both have our, our logic, but we land on the same number. So yeah. And speaking, it makes me just want to go listen to mercenary again, because you know how I feel about that album. But before I do anything, let us talk about two news items. Um, one, both very interesting in their own way. And unfortunately some sad news. And I'll start with that. Vitaly Kupri, the longtime keyboard player for bands like Artention, Ring of Fire, and maybe most notably as of late, TSO, has passed away at the age of 49. Um, just really, really sad news. Uh, a young man, to say the least. I know that former guest of the show, uh, John Macaluso, had done a lot of work with him, and he had posted some stuff on his Facebook page, just seemingly distraught by um, you know, the, the terrible news. Always a tragedy, but even more tragic when you when you consider how young he was. So he will certainly be missed. Uh, we should certainly do an Artention album at some point in the near future, almost in tribute. So just something to to flag there. Uh, and and you know our condolences to him and his family. And and finally, some I guess for for many some some joyous news I guess. But after a short hiatus, uh, you know, breaking up just, you know, about five years ago, Slayer is back. They've announced two live shows with the original, or I should say the most uh, recent lineup in tow. They're doing Riot Fest in Chicago in September, along with the Louder Than Life Festival in Louisville, Kentucky. So if you've uh, never seen Slayer or just wanted a chance to see them again, it sounds like you're going to get your chance. You know, as long as the guys are still around... I, there's always that possibility that there will be a reunion of some kind. And so uh, I, I can't even say I'm surprised, I'll be honest with you, at this no. point. I, no. feel like, I feel like, you know, some of the things we've seen over the years that were unbelievable, this is kind of not even in that in that uh, atmosphere. Um, it's no, just, it uh, was just uh, – it was it – was- it was almost just a, a hiatus and then you knew they'd be back. And I, you know, I think that's great. The one band that unfortunately will not be is Rush. And, uh, that, that is, that is sad because, you know, for obvious reasons, but, uh, I'm glad to hear that they're back. I hope the shows go well. And, uh, with that, we look forward to next week. What am I listening to? Uh, well, after listening to The Flood, I was wondering, will the sun rise? And, uh, ah. it certainly will next week. When we take uh, listen to Stradivarius's episode album from 1996, um, you know I was looking through our what's becoming a quite massive spreadsheet, and um, I was a little surprised that a we've only talked about Stradivarius twice, and b the two albums we talked about were Dream Space and Fourth Dimension, which while both are great albums, it's 
a, kind of like before the the real heavy hitters like episode and visions and destiny uh came to light um although i mean i consider fourth dimension a pretty heavy hitter personally but um this is the beginning of the lineup that people would really come to know from the mid 90s into the into the 2000s where um Jorg michael and um jens johansson would join the band and kind of fill out the rest of that lineup along with uh yari kind of lining on bass and the two timos um so I just this seemed like the next logical progression since we talked about the two uh, previous albums and and um, there's just uh, I think a lot to talk about uh, and from a selfish standpoint um, I am very busy and this is an easy album to talk about so uh, <laughs> I, 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 and considering what we'll be covering after this um, I feel like I deserve this uh, what 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 we call uh, behind the scenes as a softball. Yeah, you you will because knowing the album of uh, the Patreon album for for March, um, may I suggest focusing your attention on that and not so much on this because you're good. This one I know you know well. The other one, um, get get the palette ready. That's all I'll say about that. Um, yeah. no, well, you find my car in a, a ditch in the side of the road in Virginia somewhere. Come next week, you'll know why. <laughs> That's entirely possible. Uh, but a great choice. I look forward to talking about Stradivarius with you. I feel like it has been a spell. So um, a classic Stradivarius album next week. Thank you again to all of our supporters. Please give us a like and a follow if you like what you hear. Um, and obviously engage with us on our socials, all of which can be found in the links below. So thanks again, Chris. Go get some rest. Would you Yes. Would you believe that would you believe that the last time we talked about Stradivarius was in September of twenty twenty two? Jeez, no, it feels like no, I, I, I would never have guessed. But uh, sounds like we're overdue. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. I hope you get some rest, and uh, I'm going to go find Me out too. if the sun will rise. Yeah, it's a lot of weather here on the Metal Exchange. That's <laughs> uh, a behemoth of a thing. But anyway, let me uh, let me run. I will talk to you soon, my friend. Uh, hail Satan. <laughs>